Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Actual Eye Podcast. Today, I'm going to read from some more notes of thoughts I've been playing with. If I repeat myself a lot, that's because I am. But I'm trying to say the same thing in a thousand ways. Trying to beat around this bush so much that you get a general idea of where I'm pointing. And I'm sure some of you out there have had experiences where uh, you'll, you'll have a general, general idea of where I'm pointing right off. But it's such a broad and amorphous, infinitely vast and always changing generative source that I'm hoping to point us to in our conversations and in these moments we share together because I'm thinking of somebody else out there. So I'm speaking to you and any human that is interested in finding out the truth. And what is the truth with with a capital T? What is that to you? I have no certainty here. I just have a very strong hunch. And I'm not even saying that I believe in God or not because God is such a loaded word and it has so many different connotations. Yet I am talking about that. I am talking about this somehow impossibly generative omnipresent and destructive force that we refer to in so many ways as the ineffable, as the cosmos, as divinity, as the sacred, as the one, as Lord, as king of kings, as source. And we talk about this experience of enlightenment a lot more nowadays here in the West than, than we used to. In fact, that's something that humankind, of course, has talked about for, for a very long time, but it's kind of an open secret here in the West. I mean, there there is there was the Platonic dialectic, the conversations, Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato, and there is more maybe modern groups that share a common interest in exploring that together. How cool it is that it's it's wrapping around the world. See, we've done it differently here in the West. You know, in adopting Christianity, we were expressing a relationship with the unknowable source. The thousand-faced God, the Godhead, the infinite Outwardly, we, we are outwardly co- communing with it. And in a lot of the Eastern traditions, such as Buddhism, Advaita, we're, we're going in to find out the truth, to have a relationship with the truth, to, to evermore know the truth of life, which is an endless truth but it is unmistakable as well. The sense of enlightenment has been described in many ways, and how to parse this out, it's, we've all felt it. We've all felt it. I'm sure of it. You know, and, and, and it, 
can occur in, in a gradient of shades of experience of ever brightening hues of impression and experience and experiences of awe. But it can be very, very simple and, 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 and it starts on a very basic, simple level, maybe, for us. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess as we learn to, as we come to re-encapsulate or, under, or commune with it. But when we're young, and I always notice this, we're, we're endlessly amazed, we're, you know, amazable, we're, we're endlessly joyful when we're happy. <laughs> but we can be so easily amazed, especially in our, in our younger years, in the toddler years, you know, it's a bee, a bird, an elephant, a dog, a new person, everything is just so amazing, you're so excited to meet this new person or encounter this new thing, and it's, you know, you know how simple kids' toys are, but they're fascinating because we're in a state of wonder with the world. We're in a state, we're a very bright brain, but it, it needs to learn how to how to work in this environment and so you know the little kid tries everything it drops everything to understand the weight of it doesn't even know that it's doing this but it's it's, it's learning about 3D space and how objects and have, have different weights and feels and hefts to them and, and there's different ways of, of utilizing things and, and so we and there's there's so much dimensionality to it there's there's so much room for growth and improvement that we can spend a long time perfecting our, our coordination, for instance. Got it. And so I'm just kind of blabbing on here, but you know the feeling of being drunk with love? Like when you first have an experience of pure infatuation with somebody that is also equally infatuated with you. And that buzz, and that can happen in varying degrees, just like the impression of a, of a sunset or the water of a river, and the sun's hidden just right, the mountains and the clouds wrapping around them, all of the varying colors and hues of the sky. It's the moment, and it's depthless, goes on forever, it's still and perfect, spacious, and all-pervasive. Space has has a sense to it, a livingness to it, just like sound, and even the silence behind all sound is full of life, full of infinite room for potential. And so that's that's what we're talking about today here, guys. We're talking about a sense of the sacred. So this has been formally studied. Some very serious interest in took us into some really interesting places and, and, and gave us, given us co- common language, uh, a language that we can speak to in, our, in a more modern tongue. 
Perhaps this is more accessible for us here in the West. And of course, we'll, throughout these episodes, incorporate wisdom of the East, but identifying this is very simple. It's right underneath our nose at all times. It's always here. It's always, always been here, always will be. And in previous meditations, I, I hope I've been able to point to that peaceful stillness of this moment, the perfectness of this very moment. The feeling of I am without all of the baggage of the I, just am, just being. But let thoughts come and go as they may, they're fine, there's no problem with them. You can watch them kind of in a detached sense and and even enjoy them and, and learn learn about how your mind works, how it's been conditioned. Not, not in a negative way, but just in a, a very, just in a normal way. In the natural way that we're all conditioned by our environment and the things that we're around as we grow. Every conversation, every thought about ourself and everything that we're worried or thinking or feeling others saying or thinking about us. All of these sins impress upon us and we create a character. And again, this isn't to be taken as something bad. We, we, we all do this. It's natural. We just have these very powerful minds that are constantly framing ourselves in every situation so that we can survive because we're tuned to a very dangerous environment. But out of that, we evolve to become more social because we're like ants. We work, we work exponentially better together than, than we can do working by ourselves. And I apologize if as I ramble here, I don't make totally coherent, grammatically correct sentences. I apologize, that's, that's gonna happen. I prefer to try and write these things out, but then when, when I read them back, sometimes I lose myself in the reading and the thinking about what I've written and how I would rephrase that, that it takes me out of the transmission. I can't, I don't think I'm pointing as effectively to this that has always been. It's the most familiar thing, and it is the deepest, truest sense of self. Not the idea of self but the very feeling of being just as you are right now in this moment without any descriptions laden over that, the the clear lens of your perception. The actual feeling of this moment right now, not the thoughts about this moment. Not the mind's interpretation of what I'm trying to say, but just this moment. Feel it for a moment. Be. This is why we call it being. It's really fascinating to me how we developed language that is so articulate and so full of keys. Human being. It's a human, but it's being. (laughs) whatever that means, right? What does that mean? What is it to be human? What is a human? We have an image of it in our heads, just like we have a 
stock image of tree in our heads, but when you really look at a tree, and we've discussed this before, peel the word tree off of tree, and what is it? What is an earth? What is a planet that grows life? Floating in the midst of infinite space with a giant, I mean giant, it can fit millions of Earths inside it, giant star blazing so, so far away that with current technology it takes us like 80 years to get there or something. It's obscene. Take us a long time. It's really far away and it's really big. And it's, it's so big that even though it is millions of miles away, it's hot. You know, you, your skin gets burnt if you stay out in it too long. It's, it's hot. And we're just the right distance. Just the right size to, to grow bountiful life. Let's explore this together. In his book, The Farther Reaches of Human Nature, acclaimed humanist psychologist Abraham Maslow said, self-actualization is not actualization of the egoic self. It is actually marked by the disappearance of our usual egoic sense of self. Maslow coined the term self-actualization when he developed his hierarchy of needs, a theory of, of human development, and the drive, the drives, the various drives behind our development and, and different stages we can achieve once we fulfill, like for, for instance, the most basic drives of food, you know, nutrition and shelter, uh, safety, security, and sustenance and then we're able to be a little bit more relaxed and relate more fully with people around us so we can develop relationships and then we can develop deep relationships and develop a sense of belonging as we become ever more able and then we can perhaps fulfill our highest potential but that is not just a personal highest potential that Maslow noted and he noted this near the end of his life uh, he had a heart attack, you know, and this this life-changing near-death experience it changed him. And he had noted, and he 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 had noted this aspect of self-transcendence, and and some of the people he'd encountered. I mean, and it could be anybody. It could be a lady, a clerk behind uh, the counter at a grocery store. It could be an athlete or a musician. It could be a sage or a guru, a meditation practitioner. Could be the most seemingly normal person, but this was an overriding sense of commun communion with everything—a very natural, flowing way. And this is a state that we can pop in and out of, and we've all also, I believe, experienced this. It can be fleeting, but you can develop this. And we also studied this, and we call it flow. You know, the flow, the, the zone, you know, and when we relate it to uh, athletic achievement. But I believe it's the same thing. You know, it's just the active version of being in a state of oneness, of connection, of 
surrendering to life fully, to be one's whole self, to feel so safe that you would be, your, to trust so much that you would be your whole self. That is a form of surrender, you know? And that's, I think, that's accessible for us here in the West, in a Christian culture. And I'm, I'm not, and I, I'm not saying anything bad about Christianity here. That's not my place, it's not my interest. I think there's a very fascinating, deep, life-affirming aspects to that way of worship. And personally, I believe as long as it's the God of love, you're on the right page. Because it takes the purest, most unconditional love to create everything. To be so creative. To be so innately creative that the very universe that springs out of this impossibility is itself infinitely expressive. So many ways that it shines. There's so many ways that it exists just in the ways that we human beings, not to mention the other animals on this one small planet amongst trillions of bodies in space, how expressive we can be how infinitely expressive we can be because we are aspects of the infinite. Call ourselves humans, but we are aspects of the universe that have become self-conscious, and there's no denying that. There's no theory here, there's just actual experience. That's what we're doing. We're looking in to reality for ourselves. But we can take it one step further and also express outward our love and gratitude for existence. You know that old saying of how when you help somebody else has a self-healing factor to it? Feels better to give than to receive? Well, Maslow, who coined the term self-actualization, once wrote, it looks as if there were a single ultimate goal for mankind, a far goal toward which all persons strive. This is called variously by different authors, self-actualization, self-realization, integration, he goes on and on, autonomy, creativity. But they all agree that this amounts to realizing the potentialities of the person, that is to say, becoming fully human, everything that person can be. Maslow further noted, that this inherent capacity expresses itself as holistic integration with the world and with ourselves. Now, he wrote this in mind of a final stage of human development, of human potential, the highest state of human striving in which all other things are encompassed and, and have reason, not given reason, and that is the state of self-transcendence, which he did add to the hierarchy of needs near the end of his life. Though he'd been studying it for so long, I guess maybe he felt he finally had no reason not to in include this, having had a personal taste of it. He described his experience of life after surviving death and that last great heart attack before his awakening, his realization 
he, he wrote that he felt as though he was on a high plateau. So it wasn't just a spike of inspiration, that, that feeling of giddiness that can come without reason that makes you want to just dance or sing for no reason. Remember that feeling? Sometimes we have that feeling. Maybe it's been a while for you. But uh, it wasn't just a peak experience as he had described self-transcendent um, moments of experience such as enlightenment. It was a high plateau, meaning that it was extensive. It lasted for him until he died. He knew beyond doubt that it was true and real. What he heard claimed of an ancient scripture from different peoples from all over the world. You know, we have been writing about this for, you know, since time immemorial, since a primordial past. In every culture. What is this feeling? What is this existence? Beyond the constituting elements that we have identified and broken down and placed within different parts of this infinite complex pattern. What birthed time and space? I'm not trying to get you to believe in God, either any particular kind of God. Just the mysterious. Just to have a sense of reverence and wonder for life again. That's all that the great mystery requires. It's our love, our full acceptance of life and our willingness to dive headfirst in. Our bodies are designed to feel best in this mode of being because this is what survives us, is most likely to survive us. We know that we're in the best state for survival when we feel really good about ourselves and everyone else and we know that we're helping not just ourselves, but everyone else, because we are a tribal species. And this is in the positive sense in that we're social. And in that socialization, we find our strength magnified when we're together, when there's more than one of us. And so we're designed for that to feel good. It's, it's really cool how that worked out. It's quite useful. That's, in fact, our last chance and our highest choice at this point in life when we're all plugged in together and everything's moving faster than it's ever been before and everybody's destabilized. And no wonder, no wonder the suicide rate is higher than it's, it's ever been. We, we lack a sense of meaningness and rootedness and reason for being. Wonder It's what gave us the greatest joy when we were young. Let's, let's dive deep on this one. Marcus Aurelius, Stoic philosopher, Roman emperor from 161 to 180. Uh, he was the last of the rulers known as the five good emperors. He said, every living organism is fulfilled when it follows the right path for its own nature. Right? exactly what Maslow was saying, except he mapped it out and he invented new terminology and, and he, went, he went deep for the analytical mind to make it scientifically, you know, ex acceptable within the bounds of reason. So there'll be a little commercial popping up here soon and don't mind that. 
It's only like 30 seconds. You can zip past it if you want, but it's actually a cool commercial because it's for a free app that I am using myself to make this podcast now. And uh, I love it. I dig it. It's awesome. So let's let that little commercial time happen real fast here and then we'll get into this. guys i'm back actual i podcast episode 21 a sense of the sacred some things are wrong if there is not a sense of reverence of that innate wonder for life that we are born with we all too soon become lost to a maze of searching and searching only fleetingly finding We search for artificial fillers and distractions to fill a sense of meaningless in life, to decompress from the drudgery of our lives. But it is here, always available, that sense of wonder, that sense of natural amazement, the great inhalation exhalation that occurs when there is awe, when we experience such profound awesomeness, that we can but smile and revel in exhilaration. Now there can be shades of this as well, like a simple sweetness to a moment, a contentedness that allows a simple, normal situation to be perfect just as it is, like a soft breeze in the shade of a tree after being in the sun on a hot day, the serenity of a peace, the security of dying to one's fears for a moment. This awaits us if we seek not just actualization, but fully accept life and the inevitability of our dying one day and our loved ones. For a full unification of transcendence that awakens our most genuine and effective mode of consciousness to transcend one's typical mode of being, to transcend one's psychological sense of self, to realize that we are amorphous, constantly changing, ever awakening, always growing beings, harvested by gravity to form this planet and grow up from it and exude love and light back out into the cosmos in ever more creative, resplendent, bright and beautiful ways. If this human species is to make it through this century <laughs> without succumbing to one of more of the many potential crises of mass nature facing us, we must recognize our inherent interconnectedness, our intrinsically intertwined co-creative nature, harmonize and transcend this stage of ego gain. We have this capacity within us. How many people can we awaken before we fight to the death with our nukes and all the other ways that we're inventing that we could literally wipe ourselves out? I'm interested in what are we doing to just be better stewards and have cleaner earth 
cleaner soil for our, our crops, cleaner water for our families and our friends. Simple stuff, you know. So that's what we're doing here. With Actual Eye Podcast, I hope to invite you to share in this journey of self-realization that we may transcend these fickle natures and actualize our fullest potential. Ultimately, there is no greater goal I can think of and no more important task facing humanity. Am I wrong? Is this not the central project of our time? That's what this podcast is going to continue digging into so we can beat around this bush and give you guys a very firm idea of the direction to inquire into so that we can brighten ourselves, continually transcending our more primal selves, our lizard brain, our fear-driven amygdala. You know, that's, I mean, that thing's been useful for a long time. It's probably going to continue to be useful for some time, but we have four brains to direct this consciousness now. So that antenna's picking up everything that's happening around it, and we can use it to aim ourselves in more constructive directions. What am I doing here? But speaking obvious, going on tangents. It's late. Brain is tired. But I want to get this out here for you guys. I've committed myself to doing this. So this one's just going to be a long podcast because I haven't put up another episode in almost a week here. And I want to try and do these things. I don't know. Several times a week is my initial goal. And now I'm realizing that might not be totally realistic. I'm sure I could, but I don't know what the quality level would be. And I want to have something useful in every episode. I want to get a little bit closer, spiraling in on this thing every time with you guys. Listen to these in chunks if you need to when they get long. Typically, they're probably not going to be longer than 10, 20, or 30 minutes. Today, it's definitely going to be longer. What are we going to dig into now? Well, as I was writing, I was thinking about this peak moment for the human species that we're in. We've climbed to this place where we're changing so fast we can barely keep up. It's almost like we have to level up or unlock a new part of our potential. And I do believe we're capable of that. How many saving graces do we have right now? It's it's great. I was writing the greatest epic novel that had ever been written. I would definitely include the kind of people we have today, the Elon Musks. I would include all the creatives that we have today, all of the scientists, all of the technologists, the computer engineers, the programmers, the people that are helping connect us. You know, we can say for better or for worse, but every tool we've ever created has always been a double-edged sword. So yeah, the central project of our time. And here's my theory. And here's the, the new slogan for the podcast. After all has, all has been said and done, we still know no better way to change the world than to change it from the inside out. We have to be that change we wish to see, that old adage. So that's what we're doing.
changing the world from the inside out. We could have a revolution tomorrow and create the perfect government in whatever country you're in. Think of the most perfect government you could imagine. Everyone's getting along. No one ever has any disagreements that result in civil war or civil discord or you know, even the breakdown within our families and friendships um, in the last several years of politics. What the heck is going on here? We are more divided than I've ever seen. And, you know, typically people aren't even into politics. That used to be the case. And, geez, I don't know what's going on now, man. I kind of wish I hadn't been so interested in everyone getting disinterested. Maybe just this emotionally bound up. There is a lot of just anger that occurs. But God, I really feel like we all have to take a series of deep breaths, calm down, and, and remember that we are all just people. We all suffer. We all love. And we can meet in the middle and make compromises and work together. This is how we've gotten to where we are today. And if the skyscrapers and the cities and the air conditioning and the high-def tele television and the supercomputer or smartphone that you have isn't proof of enough of what we can create when we work together, if your favorite movie, your favorite music is not enough to prove what we can do when we work together, you know, I don't know what will be, but... It's pretty obvious that we're worthwhile, we're beautiful, and we're brutal, given. But we are willful, self-aware, and able to choose how we exist and work or war with one another. So I'm thinking about how fast the meme spreads today, or how, how fast the newest thing that's happening in the news spreads around, you know. Everyone's immediately got an opinion on something nowadays, man. And it only takes a few hours sometimes for some of the bigger stories to spread around hundreds of millions of people, and they're talking about it all over their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or wherever. How fast the meme spreads today, how fast we move information around the world, every moment, all of us together, connected by a web of humanity's combined intellectual efforts, all of our artistic and athletic achievements, all of our curiosity and wonder, our humor, our wisdom, instantly accessible to billions around the world and more each day. What will we do with this potential? Have we even scraped the surface of what can be done if we really start to put our heads together. Why not the biggest problems, the greatest challenges that face us? How serious and joyful can we be when we come together and exuberantly unite and pursue one of these great challenges and feel the sense of relief as we're effectively changing the outcome? For ourselves and our fellows and the rest of the species, can you imagine the feelings that we can have as we overcome these challenges that are now global 
and supersede any one of our tribe's individual interests that all earthlings can see as essential, such as limiting the chances of nuclear holocaust, just to name one. These are major challenges that I think it's sensible to assume only mass, conservative, co-creative, problem-solving efforts can address. Even still, all of our efforts will be for naught if we cannot solve conflicts by fair and peaceful means, and that requires from us a higher level of humanity, of humility, of patience for one another. Each of us are an essential part of this equation. The slightest change in tone changes so much, it's beyond our reckoning. How we affect each other's emotional states being how we can affect our own. How we can choose to not take something cruel or offensive said to us. But we really have to know that it's just an expression of the hurt or the fence that someone else is feeling. The slightest change in tone can also change a moment for the better. And it may actually be the thing that saves us from the next event of mass civil discipline. Every smile that brightens another's soul whose own tone has changed now more easily harmonizes with their next encounter, goes on and on, lightens the load for people spreading like a beneficial virus. A genuine encounter with someone who's just had an awful day. That can change a lot. The lady behind the counter smiles genuinely. The person before in line genuinely greeted them, had genuine care in their eyes, and interest in, in them and knowing how they were and wishing them a, a good day and really meant it. Some glow inside their heart that brightened their own moment. And, and the next person encounter is this gruff guy that's impatient and can tell he's had a bad day. He gets this most genuine smile and greeting and thank you and gratitude a goodbye. Well wishing that he could tell actually was meant. And he didn't know if he didn't think he deserved because he likes to drink and beat his kid. But maybe that day he went home and instead of 12 or 15 beers or whatever, it was until he got to that place where he cracked and Jekyll turned to hide. What if instead he just drank a, a beer or a few? He got up inspired because he could hear his kid out back throwing his ball in the air and hitting it around with his bat. He knew he was out there and he knew what he was doing. He saw him out of the corner of his eye, his eye when this boy picked up his baseball glove from the kitchen table and ran outside. So he goes outside, throws the ball with his kid, and 
decides that he's going to encourage him right now to be a better man than he's been, a better man than his father was. And that kid mercilessly picked on at school. Maybe he doesn't go on to become the next that he attempted to attempt a mass killing. Maybe instead he develops a love for baseball that gets him into college, points him in a good direction. He learns teamwork. He learns a sense of nobility and honor and the acceptance of loss and honesty. And this is all deeply rooted in the encouragement he received from his normally drunk and angry father one night while he was still young enough to have wonder and believe in something, have a broad enough sense of wonder imagination to encompass an idea of something more for himself than what had been laid out before him. That little bit of encouragement lit up his inspiration and now he's picturing something different and now he's got a more well-defined goal in his mind to strive for. This shit is simple. Love is the wisest expression humanity knows. But that smile, that expression, that effort, that work, that project, it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be true, honestly meant. It's got to be authentic. You've got to see the specialness in that person you're interacting with for it to rub off on you. You've got to see the potential that you see in everything around you. It's a relationship with actuality, the transcendence of mere personal interest for something holistic, all-encompassing. This is what will survive our species. It's what's survived us so far. Sensing that inherent capacity for wonder, that sense of reverence for this inexplicable miracle that is life is infinitely helpful here. For all of us, this can be accessed at any, any time and naturally acted out effortlessly. It's almost like you're watching yourself when you're in the flow state, you know? This can be lived through we can cultivate this potentiality within ourselves and deepen our experience and encapsulation of it. We can lengthen its duration. The further, the more we surrender to the flow. The realization of this inherent capacity for wonder happens easily in moments when we forget ourselves. But for it to become who we truly are, we must give our all to a higher purpose, be it family, be it friendships, be it art that is made in the honor of this great miracle of life that is made as a result as a relationship with this miracle of life unfolds itself through us. We must give ourselves over to a life of honoring this great miracle we whirl within. This is the outward expression. 
So we got about five minutes left on this, guys, and I'm not even near the end of what I wrote. So I'm just going to save this for another podcast. And I guess we'll have a part two to this. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I encourage you to subscribe and like the show because it helps it reach more people. If you haven't yet, it's very easy. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all the other podcast apps that are out there. And if you're interested in making a podcast of your own, it's not as hard as you would think. It might take some work, but it'll be fun work if you're talking about something you're interested in and you can talk about whatever you like. There is an audience for just about everything now. And it's really cool and effective to go niche on your subject matter if you like. It works. There's people out there. So, let's stay connected. Let's stay real. Let's stay authentic and let's be brave. The world needs hope. It needs real, genuine hope. We need a reason greater than ourselves. It doesn't have to be some supernatural notion. It can be just to live the best life and see how much one is capable of where one transcends the previously known limits or imagined limits of themselves. We give ourselves to a a cause greater than ourselves. There are so many different ways to do this. All right, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you all for listening. Be easy. Be strong. Stay conscious. You will be ever able to respond to every moment. Fully and in a beautiful, often effortless state of flow. You have been listening to Actual Eye Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm out.